0: Welcome to the Factory Youth Podcast. This is a weekly teaching podcast from the Factory Youth at Calvary Chapel, Bear Beach. So, tonight we're going to begin a brand new series um, in the book of 1 Samuel, um, 1 Samuel chapter 16, and we're doing a series on the life of David. The life of David. And uh, David was and is a very popular character in the Bible. And um, I think it's important that we sort of talk about his life. Now, the last few weeks leading up to SNL, we've been in First Samuel. We're sort of laying some groundwork about some stories going on there. Um, but this is where the story really sort of takes shape as we follow King David. Now, David, uh, he is an important figure because he was the greatest king Israel ever had. Um, He wrote the majority of the book of Psalms. Um, He was responsible for establishing corporate worship in Israel. And through his family line, we ultimately get King Jesus. So he did a lot. He's an important character, right? From in his own time, uh, the people he was able to influence, the things he was able to see and do. um, But then also from him, we get Jesus. And we're going to follow his life, see his victories, see his struggles, and learn how to be people after God's heart. This is really what we see from King David is that he was a person after God's heart. And that is our desire for all of us. First Samuel 16 is where David's story begins. Um, now context, King Saul, who was the first king of Israel, if you follow Israel's uh, sort of history, once they're established in the nation... In the, or in the promised land. They go from Egypt, from slavery, into the promised land uh, with Moses and Joshua. And then on Sunday morning we're going through the book of Judges, which is sort of transition period from Joshua to the kings. Uh, we've got the judges. And then the people sort of get a little angsty, a little rebellious, a, a, a little sort of, uh, uh, they, they're just sort of like, what's the word when you're like not sitting still well? Antsy, that's the word, not angsty, antsy, thank you. They were getting a little antsy, and they were like, uh, angsty too, but they were, they were getting antsy, <laughs> and they're like, we want a king. All the other nations have kings. We want to be like the other nations. So God says, okay, we'll give you a king, and they give him King Saul. And King Saul was a good man. He started well, um, but then sin and compromise and pride and things like that got in his life, and ultimately the kingdom is taken from Saul and given to David And so King Saul at this point in chapter 16 has sinned. The kingdom has been taken from him and God is now anointing a new king in Israel. Now the removal from the kingdom from Saul was not that the crown was taken off of his head, um, but that the, the crown wouldn't go on his son's head. That's basically the way it works. So King David or King Saul is going to basically serve out the rest of his reign, but once he passes, it's not going to be hereditary to his son. It's going to be trans like sort of transfer transition over to King David. And so in chapter 16 we're introduced to David and he's anointed as king of Israel. All right, first 1 Samuel 16 verse 1. Are you guys there? Yeah, you're there. If you're not there, you can pull it up in the Bible app or you can follow along on the screen. It says this, Then the Lord said to Samuel, now pause, sorry, a little more context. Samuel is the prophet of the nation of Israel. He's also uh, the sort of the title of the book. So Samuel, How long will you grieve over Saul since I have rejected him from being king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go. I will send you to Jesse, the Bethlehemite for I have provided for myself a king among his sons that's an important phrase I've provided myself a king among his sons and Samuel said how can I go if Saul hears he will kill me And the Lord said take a heifer with you and say I've come to sacrifice to the Lord and invite Jesse to the sacrifice and I will show you what you shall do and you shall anoint for me whom I declare to you So Samuel did what the Lord commanded and came to Bethlehem. The elders of the city came to meet him trembling and said, Do you come peaceably? And he said, Peaceably I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. And he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. And when they came, he looked on Eliab and thought, Eliab was one of the sons, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance, or in the height of his stature, because I've rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees, man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel. And he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. Then Jesse made Shema pass by. And he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. And Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen these. Then Samuel said to Jesse, are all your sons here? It's a very strange question. And he said, y'all, there remains yet the youngest, but behold, he's keeping the sheep. Like, ugh, we'd have to send for him. He's all the way out there. We're already inside. We're already eating dinner. Do we really have to tell David? And Samuel said to Jesse, send and get him, for we will not sit down till he comes here. And he's like, I imagine him like, oh, man. <laughs> all right, go get David. And he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy. And he had beautiful eyes and was handsome. (laughs) Aww. (laughs) And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon David. And from that day forward, and Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. All right, I've titled this message 8 and 1. Eight and one. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your goodness. And Lord, would you give us um, just understanding as we look at this text? Some of us have heard this story. Some of us haven't. Lord, would you just give us fresh understanding and insight to your word? And Lord, would you help us to apply it to our own life? We thank you, God. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, God sends the prophet Samuel To anoint the new king of Israel and he isn't going to find the new king because God already knows who it is he's just going to anoint him he's not out like sort of the like the bachelor or whatever looking for the next king of Israel we've got all of these eligible Kings out there and we're just trying to find which one is going to beat all the challenges and stick it out through the end and end up being the king of Israel. God's already found them. God knows them. God sees them. God's been with him. God has had a plan from the beginning. And so Samuel's job is really just to say, okay, there he is. (laughs) Okay, we're anointing this guy. This is him. And so Samuel goes to anoint the king of Israel. Israel and in this story we really see how God works and what God is looking for in people this is important we see because earlier I, I told you to note it that it says that I have chosen for myself a king because the first king King Saul was really chosen by the people he was sort of we want a king this is who we want this is King Saul and Saul has sort of stepped in and now he's Failed, he's removed, and then God says, I am going to anoint a king after my own heart. That's earlier in 1 Samuel. I'm going to anoint a king, I'm going to pick a king, the next king will be after my own heart. And now God is looking for and has found this person that is described as a person after God's own heart. And we see here how God works and what God is looking for in people The first point is this. In this story, we see eight selected and one rejected by men. We see eight selected and one rejected by men. This situation really shows us the difference between what God is looking for and what people are looking for when it comes to impact. They were looking at the outward. God even says that, right? He says that to Samuel, hey, you're looking at the outward and I don't look the same way that you look. <laughs> you're looking at the appearance or you're looking at the ability or literally you're looking at their height or they're looking at their leadership skills or whatever it is. They think, oh, this is the king, right? Why? Well, he looks like a king. It's just got the look, right? His Broad shoulders. Like a crown would fit nicely on their head. They walk into a room. They command the room. Like they're authoritative. They've got those leadership skills, those qualities you want. Like this person is the king. And Saul, the original king, was chosen king because he looked like a king. In fact, the Bible says that he was a a head and shoulders taller than everybody else. That he would walk in a room and it'd be like the same, the same, the same. And then there's King Saul, right? Right? Like he just was taller than ever. He was just a big, king-looking person. And then the other sons of Jesse looked the part to Samuel, right? So you have Saul. He looks like a king. Uh, the other sons of Jesse look like a king. But God doesn't look at appearance. He looks at the heart. And when it comes to being used by God, this is important. We need to recognize that God cares way more about the character of a person than the charisma or the content of that person. God cares way more about the character, the heart, the sort of inside of a person than their charisma or their talent or their ability or what they're able to produce. I think sometimes, oftentimes, we look at people and we think, okay, God could really use them. Why? Well, because look at their ability, look at their skill, look what they're capable of doing, look at how everybody follows them, look at all of that, and we think that makes a person used by God. But when it comes to being used by God, God cares way more about the character, the heart of a person than what they're capable of. You don't need to have all the ability. You don't need to have all the answers. You just need to be available to God. God will choose anybody that's available and willing and seeking after him over someone with skill and talent and charisma any day of the week. And this statement that God says, God looks at the outward or God looks at the heart not the outward is both information and an invitation let me explain God looks at the heart man looks at the appearance that's a fact right without like I don't think it's x-ray I think it's probably like an MRI what is used to look at a heart do you guys know a cat scan 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 of cats is that correct all right I don't know I don't really go to the doctors. I haven't been to the dentist in like 10 years. That's kind of not my thing. Um, Somebody say, ew. My teeth are fine. Thank you very much. (laughs) Jeez. Until one day they're all gone. They're like, not fine. God looks at the heart. And when they say heart, when God says heart, he's not speaking like the CAT scan. God's looking at the character, the inside of a person. They're, they're, they're what they're about, what their insides are like, what their priorities are, what they're doing with their free time, how they're thinking, where they're headed, all of these things. God looks at the heart and man looks at the appearance. Why? Well, because we can't see. I can't look at you and know your level of spirituality and faith. I can't look at you and think, man, this person really understands their Bible. They spend time in God's Word and they pray a ton. Now, your... Character, what you're going to do is going to be a byproduct of the time you spend in God's word, how much you pray, your relationship with God. So I can judge you by your fruit, but we can also fake it. We can pretend God is the only one that can actually look at you and see what's going on on the inside. So this is a statement of fact. This is information. God says, you look at the appearance, I look at the heart. But this is also an invitation what I mean by that is that we, God is inviting us to look at people the way that God looks at them and to look at ourselves the way that God sees us. When he says to Samuel, hey Samuel buddy, you look at the appearance, I look at the heart. But he's kind of inviting Samuel in. He's saying, hey, listen, you can too. You don't have to look at all of that. You don't have to look at, oh yeah, Eliab walks in, yeah, he's 6'5 and broad shoulders. Sure, he looks like a king, but, but let's think a little different. Let's view people a little different. Let's not view them based upon appearance or what they're capable of or what they've done or what they're doing. Let's look at them differently. Because people look at the appearance, but God looks at the heart and we're invited to look at that. But because people look at the appearance, David is completely ignored. This, sad, this story is kind of heartbreaking, isn't it? This story is, okay, the prophet's coming to town. Now, this is a big deal in their context. Now, notice even in the beginning of the story, they're like, oh, my gosh, Samuel's here. Do you come peaceably? Like, what's happening? Like, Samuel is the prophet of God, and he can do all sorts of crazy stuff. So why are you here? He's like, hey, I've just come to sacrifice, to worship God, and I want Jesse and his family to show up. This would be a big deal. If, 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 if the prophet shows up, you would, it would basically be like a big party, big banquet. Like, we want to show off. We want to hang out. We want this great experience. This was an honor for the prophet to show up. I'm like, all right, guys, prophet's coming in. Like, make sure you make your bed. Like, put your shoes away. Like, what are we doing? Okay, guys? Like, what, what, what is this? Let's put it away, right? So everyone comes, and they're like, David's not here. "Ah, That's all right. It's fine. Who needs David. Uh, It's pretty rough, isn't it? Like, it's pretty awkward. Even the question is awkward. Like, for Samuel to go, like, listen to how weird this question is. Samuel shows up. Hey, I want to meet all your sons. All right. They all go before him. And then he's like, is this all your sons? Like, that's such a weird question, because from the beginning, you would assume that all the kids were there, right? And then Jesse's like, uh, I really didn't think you would ask that. It's a pretty weird question. Um, But nope, you got me. (laughs) It's not all the sons. There's one more. He's with the sheep. You really want to meet him? And they're like, yep, I really, actually, when I said all your sons, I kind of met all of them like that if he's a, is he your son then yes i would like to meet him <laughs> bring him here <laughs> so they go send for david and he comes it's sad and why they 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 think eh, david's not the guy samuel's here uh, david's not the guy he's he's with the sheep we don't need him why well because man looks at the outside and god looks at the inside and when david is overlooked god sees him but because people look at the appearance they miss what God is looking for. But although David was rejected by people, God had other plans. So there was 8 selected by people and 1 were rejected by people. But then the second thought tonight is that there are 8 rejected and 1 selected by God. When there was 8 select these are the kings. By people, God says, nope. And when everybody's like, that's not the guy, God's like, no, nope. <laughs> that's the guy. At least eight people in the story are not chosen to be king. Saul, who was the king, and then all seven other sons of Jesse, David's brother. Now Saul was rejected, and I'll explain this word, we'll walk through it. But Saul was rejected because of rebellion. Because that sounds harsh, doesn't it? Like, even at the beginning, God says to Samuel, Hey, how long are you going to cry about Saul? Let's move on, buddy. It's enough. (laughs) Like, kind of harsh. It's intense. And Saul was rejected, though, because of rebellion. Rebellion. Saul disobeyed God on a number of occasions and the consequences to his actions was the kingdom was taken from him. Listen to me, sin keeps us from our calling. We talk here a lot about walking in God's calling for your life and one of the main ways we can miss out on experiencing all that God has for us is sin is compromise, is not doing what God wants us to do or has called us to do. And sin keeps us from our calling. And this is is the story of Saul. Saul had opportunity. Saul had the spirit of God. Saul had the the, the, the position. Saul had everything that he needed. And yet, Saul had the ability. He had the looks. He had all of the skill. He had everything that people would say, this guy's going to be successful. Because of sin, because of compromise, because of unwilling to obey and trust and listen to God, he lost the kingdom. So he was rejected because of rebellion. The brothers were rejected as well, right? It says the first one shows up and Samuel's like, oh man, that's a king. I can follow that guy. And God says, nope, I rejected that guy. That's kind of intense. Poor Eliab's like, oh, well, all right. (laughs) I don't know what I did, but I guess that's it. Actually, we're gonna meet like in the next story. Eliab's kind of a jerk. He's kind of a mean older brother. So it's like, move along. Anyways, he says, I, th- this guy's rejected. Now, he was rejected not because of rebellion, but because of distinction. This is important. The brothers were rejected not because of rebellion, but because of distinction. Rejection is, I don't want you. That's rejection. I don't want you. Stay away. Distinction is, I have something else for you. I'm going to say it again. Rejection is I don't want you. Get out of here. (laughs) I don't want you. Distinction is I have something else for you. Not only does God look for different qualities in people than what people look for, but God also has specific callings for every person. The call that God places on your life is not the same as what he places on my life. The problem is when we get jealous or frustrated by other people's calling that causes us to miss what God's doing in our own life. If sin is one of the things that can kill and keep us from calling, comparison and jealousy is another thing that can keep us from our calling. When we think that if God says yes to somebody else, and he says no to me, that that God doesn't care for me, or that God doesn't have a plan for me, or that God doesn't see me, that is not the story. God refusing the brothers wasn't because he didn't want them, but because he had something different for them. Now, we don't follow their stories, and this is sort of a general statement that I'm making, but it's true because of what the Bible teaches us God calls each and every person uniquely God has a specific plan for each and every one of us God has things he wants us to walk in and God has something specific for you that he doesn't have for somebody else And he has something specific for them that he doesn't have for you are you with me And so it's important that when it says that eight were rejected and one was selected, one of them was rejected because of a rebellion, but the others that we read of at the very least were rejected because of distinction. God has something different from them. And we're going to follow specifically on one, King David. Eight were rejected. One was selected. And Samuel asks, is is there any more? (laughs) got another kid. We've all seven have passed through. And I imagine like each one, is like, God, it's like, it's got to be one of these. The next one, it's got to be them. And the seventh, and then they're like, that's it? <laughs> yeah, that's the last one. You sure? Well, no, that I'm not. there's one more. It says, there, there remains yet the youngest, but behold, he's keeping the sheep. I just, like dad of the year award goes to this guy. He was overlooked because he was out keeping the sheep, we're told. But listen, it was while he was out keeping the sheep that God was preparing him for this time. Keeping the sheep, David learned to be with God, he learned to trust God, and he was trained for his purpose. It was while he was with the sheep. Well, this was the reason he wasn't brought into the family dinner because he was keeping the sheep. But it was while he was keeping the sheep that God was preparing him for what he had for him. So the very thing that caused him to miss out on the meal was the very thing that God was using to prepare him for his future. And I think it's important that we realize the very thing that somebody might sort of negate you or overlook you for might be the very tool that God is using in your life to prepare you for what he has for you. Maybe it's something you're like, man, I'm just not that outgoing. I just I kind of like to sit in the back. I'm kind of shy. I don't know how God could ever use me. Well, maybe God's preparing you to encounter somebody else that's like that that needs to be invited in. Maybe you're like, you don't know my story. You don't know what I've been through. You don't know my struggles. You don't know my failures. Maybe those struggles and those failures are the very part of your story that God's going to use to reach somebody else. So often the things that we think that are the reason it negates us are what God is using to prepare us. And keeping the sheep, he learned to be with God. He learned to trust God. And he was trained for his purpose. Worship team, you guys can come up here. I'm going to close. In Psalm 23, we... Read one of the most famous songs written by David. And Psalm 23 was written back at the end of his life, looking back, and we see in Psalm 23 how keeping the sheep prepared him for his calling. Listen to this Psalm 23, I'm sure you know this, but it says this David writing, he says, The Lord is my shepherd. He says, I lack nothing. God makes me lie down in green pastures. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. David, as a shepherd, learned about who God is. He learned that God is his shepherd, <laughs> Right As he's keeping the sheep and he's, he's taking care of them and he's watching out for them and he's making sure that nothing attacks them and he makes sure they're eating and he makes sure they're sleeping and he makes sure that they're getting everything that they need, he learns that, do you know, this is kind of like how God views me. He goes, man, God is, God is my shepherd. Because he cares for me and he sees me and he makes sure that I have everything that I need. And he, 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 he makes me sleep and he, makes me, he helps me walk through whatever I'm going through. And as a shepherd, David learned about God. He also learned how to be alone with God. He learned what it looked like to not have everybody for him or with him or, 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 or on his side. And he learned that with God, that's all he needed. David, as a shepherd, not only did he learn about God, but he learned to trust God. Notice the words that he says in this song. He says that God cares for him, that he leads him and guides him to safety and satisfaction, that he protects and provides for him, that he's with him no matter what he walks through, and that his goodness and mercy will follow him. These would be anchors about God that David would hold on to his whole life. These would be foundation pieces that would allow for him to walk through the darkest valley, the most difficult days, the hardest opposition, losing friends, losing kids, losing loved ones, losing the kingdom, losing everything, and yet knowing that God is with me these would be the anchors that he would hold on to even in his greatest successes when he'd had a victory and Goliath was defeated and he was sitting on the throne and everything was as it should be he knew that God was the one that got him there and so he could say confidently that God cared for him he leads and guides him to, to safety and to satisfaction he protects him no matter what he provides for him he walks with him and his goodness and mercy followed him And it was also during this time, not only did he learn about God, did he learn to trust God, but he was also trained as a shepherd. David would say this about his time as a shepherd in the next chapter, and Shane's going to teach for us uh, this story about David and Goliath. But it reads this. David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. <laughs> We've heard that statement before. Oh, David, he's out keeping the sheep. <laughs> See, We don't need him. It's kind of just watching the sheep. What is he doing out there? Nothing. We don't need him in here and yet what is he doing he's learning about god he's learning to trust god and he's training listen the next thing he says when i was out keeping my sheep when a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock i went after it i struck it and i rescued the sheep from its mouth and when it turned on me i seized it by its hair struck it and killed it and then he goes on to say this philistine goliath he's nothing The same victory that I had over the lion and the bear, God's going to give me over Goliath. His time as a shepherd prepared him for God's plan for him. The point tonight is this. God looks at people different. God sees you differently than you see yourself. He sees you differently than the people around you see you. And your ability or what you think you're capable of or your experiences and all the things that you think either disqualify you or make you like, not useful, God sees you and wants to use you.